at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. As always, that shows a fun little pre. We had lots of rational thoughts today in the Author Brand Show. And the most rational man I've known for quite some time, he is a, an amazing mentor. Um, he's been married 31 years. He works, he works with men to help them become what he calls high-valued husbands. So pay attention to that one. Uh, his book, 300 Ways to Be a High-Valued Husband, is about to be released. In his previous life, he's a corporate executive, and he's owned his own marketing business for the past 21 years. And what he's, what he's discovered is after watching so many men go through divorce, um, he's decided to close his successful marketing company to exclusively focus on helping men save their marriages. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome my friend and uh, amazing man, Mr. David Fry. David, how are you today? Hey, Doug. Thank you for having me. You bet. Good to be here. So um, what are we going to cover in the next uh, 20, 30 minutes? Or why should people listen to us? Well, why should people listen to this? Well, yeah. number one is because the divorce rate, at least in America, is terrible. 40 to 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Yeah. And that in itself is causing catastrophic problems in our society. Yeah. So chances are one out of two of the men that are going to watch this or women that are going to watch this are going to at some point in time experience either some really tough times in their marriage. That's pretty much all yeah. marriages, but eventually end in divorce. And I'm here to try and stop that. That's why, that's what we're going to talk about today is so very, very important. I'm going to give the men that I hear, and if you're a woman and you're listening to this, everything that I say is going to apply to you. I'm just going to say the word man, mm -hmm. but it applies to you as well. We're going to give them a few keys to help you to avoid that. Nice. Well, talk me about the, 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 the core issue here. What, what is it? You know, people fall in love. They want to get married. What causes divorce? How does it go from some bliss to, you know, say being uh, separate like that? Right. Well, um, you know, when you look a lot uh, at a lot of um, studies and research, some of them will say that it's finances. It's if you look at the Hollywood divorces, they, mm -hmm. they put irreconcilable differences, yeah. uh, but it's not finances. It's not differences. It's not infidelity and it's not arguing too much. That's not the reason that people get divorced. There was a study done by the university of Denver, and this was a very big study. And it was found that lack of commitment is the number one reason for divorce, which is kind of interesting. Lack of commitment. So what does lack of commitment really mean? Well, commitment means to keep trying no matter what, right? When you're committed, you're like all in to something. So a lack of commitment is when one or both partners are unwilling to take ownership or take responsibility for fixing their marriage problems. So they blame the other spouse and they quit, okay? And that happens over and over. Listen, you cannot solve any marriage problem unless you first recognize that there's a problem. Second, realize that you are a big part of that problem. Even if you're darn sure that you are not, you are a big part of that problem. I can talk about that a little bit more. But And number three, 
to initiate radical steps to try and fix it. You have to do those things in order to solve any marriage problem. Recognize there's a problem. And by the way, uh, there has been studies that have shown that men naturally believe their marriage is in a better state than what the wife thinks it is. And that's one of the reasons that wives filed for divorce way more often than men. So men, if you're listening, um, you need to recognize when there are serious problems in your marriage and you got to realize that you're a big part of that problem and you got to initiate radical steps to fix it. But what usually happens is that people are tired of trying or they think that they've tried enough or they don't believe that their spouse will ever change. And so they just quit. Now, there are other reasons. There are yeah. extenuating circumstances. Yeah, there could be abuse or something like that. But um, you mentioned in your book this thing called ownership. And, you know, you don't own your spouse or, you know, own the, the marriage. What do you mean by ownership? Well, in my program, we have three pillars. Number one, own up, grow up, and show up. Own up, grow up, and show up. Those are the three pillars that I think that you need to, to become a high-value husband. So yeah. let's talk about ownership because that's yeah. number one. Own up is ownership. Ownership is a stronger form of, say, taking responsibility for a problem. And ownership has uh, five parts. Number one, again, you have to recognize there's a problem. Number two, you have to take responsibility for the problem. Putting the blame on yourself or admitting your mistakes and the flaws in your character that cause the mistakes or series of mistakes. That's what it means to take responsibility. And Doug, for many years, I've been married for 31 years. For many of those 31 years, I blamed my wife for starting all of our arguments. I used to say to her, well, if you wouldn't bring this up or if you wouldn't get upset or if you wouldn't uh, complain, we wouldn't be having these arguments. And so what that was doing is it was giving my power away to actually fix the problems. Wow. That's, that's number two. Mm -hmm. Number three is, and again, we're talking about taking ownership. The third part of taking ownership is apologizing for your errors. You've got to say, I'm sorry, recognize the hurt that it's caused your wife, own up to that flaw in your character that caused it. All right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, a lot of men will say, Hey, that's just how I am. You know, I'm a man. That's how I was built. And they yeah. use that as an excuse. Yeah. But you need to own up to that flaw in your character. And number four, you got to tell them how you're going to try and change it. That is, that's the four elements of taking ownership. Mm -hmm. And then you got to initiate active steps to change so that you turn your flaw into your strength. Listen, behavior change is hard. It takes a yeah. huge amount of internal effort and repetition to make it a habit. So, you need to live like an ownership lifestyle. And if I could tell men one thing yeah. is to just always assume that you're now this is going to sound harsh. Yeah, man. I know you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to take this well, but I tell you, it will serve you in the long run. When something goes wrong in your marriage, just assume 
that you have 90% of the blame for that. And I'm going to tell you why, Doug. Yeah. Because you have the power. The, all arguments start not on the first, not on the first criticism. All arguments start on the response to that first criticism. Ooh, and so if right. your wife criticizes you or she complains, how you respond to that is actually going to start the argument or it's going to end the argument. And so living an ownership lifestyle is saying, okay, we had, we had that problem. I, I caused the argument because I didn't respond in this way. I could have handled it much better. Mm -hmm. And if you can just live that way, little by little, a lot of these things start to evaporate. Yeah. If you were, if you were talking to a woman, would you use the same percentage or is it you're making the leadership role for this to be a, a male dominated thing? I would give her the absolute same percentage. And here's why. Yeah. I mean, how do you fix a problem if you're a man or a woman? It's the same process. Yeah. Even a woman has to take ownership. But here's the problem with women. And when I talk about what I'm saying is, is generalities, my friends. Everything, do, please do not get your feeling hurts when I say these things. When a woman is like this or a man is like that. These yeah. are generalities. But a, a woman is built as a nurturer. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. And so she will get her feelings hurt a lot easier than a man. Okay. Sure. So, and naturally speaking, there's actually a, a part of her brain that makes her react in a negative way as though she takes things personally a whole lot faster than a man. That's why it's harder to hurt a man's feelings than it is a woman's feelings. Mm -hmm. a, a woman will, will personalize the issue very quickly, but it's the same. She needs to, if she's, she has problems, she's got to fix. So she's got to look at it and say, I'm 90% of the problem. I need yeah. to take ownership of the problem. Yeah. Let's, uh, and I'm, I'm going to veer really quick because the men are going to, are going to, they're going to resonate with this. Man wants to have sex. He has a high desire. Woman has a low desire. She doesn't want to have sex as, as much as him. And when that happens, the woman will just say, that's just the way that I am. And the man will say, that's just the way that I am. But they both have an issue that they need to work on. The man needs to create an emotional connection with the women before she will want to do that. And a woman needs to create a sexual connection with the man. She needs to work on doing that. And so just because we are built one way as a human doesn't mean that we don't need to take ownership of that issue and try and work on it. I love that. Once I heard of a saying once that, um, Women need to feel loved to have sex, and men need sex to feel loved. You know, to summarize it, a bullet point. Yeah. You know, you talk about anger a lot in your book too, David. I'm really curious about that in terms of like getting angry isn't anyone's fault. Um, what does that mean? Um, I would say that anger is a protection emotion. Mm. Well, first of all, let, let me go back to your question. Sure. Getting angry really isn't anyone's fault. 
All right. And I'm going to tell you why. We're going to go into the science of anger. Cool. I'm going to get into the biology of getting angry so that you really understand where this comes from. Because it's really not your fault that you get angry. Angry is always a secondary emotion, but it comes from an emotion. Anger mm -hmm. is a protection emotion. It's designed to keep you safe. It's also designed to keep you alive. When your brain detects um, danger, it instantly puts your body into defense mode. And anger is a, <coughs> excuse me, a big part of that defense system. Let me take a drink. Every person who was ever born on this earth has a built-in survival system. Think in prehistoric times, okay? Let's say 194,000 years ago when kind of like, they say that they've, you know, they have fossils from 200,000 years ago <clears throat> that man, so they don't really know how old man is, but they found fossils 200,000 years old. <clears throat> Back in those days, man, if you didn't react very quickly, you were going to get eaten, right? So your body has a built-in protection mechanism to help keep you safe from that. And Civilization really has only existed for the last 6,000 years. So that leaves 194,000 years that we were bred and um, practiced this protection mechanism. It's our natural instinct to survive. It's great for keeping us alive, <clears throat> but it's terrible for our relationships. So Doug, you've got two systems in your body that control your anger, okay? One system amps it up and the other system calms it down. The one that amps it up is called the sympathetic nervous system. And it's the, it's the system that amps it up and is designed as a safety mechanism. We, uh, some people call it <clears throat> the fight or flight system in our bodies because what it, when it's activated, it puts you in fight mode. It puts you in defensive mode. Or it puts you in, let's get the heck out of here mode, right? The heart of that system is a little piece in your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala does two things, okay? Number one, it scans, it's always scanning for danger. <clears throat> and when it senses danger, it instantaneously produces two hormones. One is called adrenaline and the other one is called cortisol. The adrenaline increases our heart rate and our blood pressure, and cortisol is a stress hormone. So you know how your body feels when you get stressed, and it, and it um, creates those two hormones and puts it on your body because it puts your body in fight mode, all right? And that's for survival. <clears throat> the other thing it does, it shuts down the prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is the cognitive thinking part of your brain. And when the prefrontal cortex is shut down, we immediately stop thinking rationally. And that is why when, when men or women get really angry, they start doing things that they would regret. Okay? That's the first system. The second system is called the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's a system that when it's activated, it calms your body down. Okay? So it's designed to bring your body back down to homeostasis or to bring it back into balance. And your body is always trying to come back in balance. So we're going to talk about a few things that men can do to activate 
the parasympathetic nervous system so that we can stay calm. So it's not right. really your fault if you get angry mm -hmm. because you're genetically created to get defensive and retaliate yeah. when you feel danger. So I, I've got, I've got, a, um, I've got my, my explanation for that. Okay, great. 194,000 years of, of wiring in my brain. So how do yeah, I know in your book you have like four steps to train your brain to to go into the uh, the calming state here. How do you do that? What are the four steps? Okay, so <clears throat> hang with me here. Yeah. Step one is to identify your triggers and understand the beliefs that are driving those triggers. Ooh, so what's yeah. a trigger? A, tra a trigger traditionally is a traumatic event or a series of events mm -hmm. that when remembered will put your body in the fight or flight mode. Right. Okay, so triggers are safety mechanisms, but they don't work well again for creating harmonious relationships. I've got a broader definition of a trigger, which mm. is anything that triggers you or puts your body into defense mode, anything that gets you emotionally amped up. So mm. when I use the word triggers, plural, what I'm referring to is when your body activates the sympathetic nervous system. It's when the body goes into defense mode or gets uh -huh. emotionally amped up. So the trigger is an event. <clears throat> Triggered is when uh, your body gets amped up. Okay. Got so it. the first step is to identify what those triggers are. Yeah. Because if you can um, manage your triggers, then your body will never be at your sympathetic nervous system will never be activated. And the really? way that you do that. Oh. Now, here it comes into the practical steps. Yeah, let's go with that. So in my program, I, I have what's called a better next time journal. And it's a journal. It's, you can rename it to the argument journal. <clears throat> so when a guy has an argument with his wife, he goes to this journal. And the journal has three questions. Number one, what was the trigger? Like, what was the event that started this all? Number two, what was the belief in your mind behind that trigger? So for every trigger, we have some negative belief that's driving that trigger. And then the third one is, what could I have done differently to create a different outcome? <clears throat> so those is three the, things. Is the belief of the trigger, is that like the actual event from the past? No. Or is it a, it's, it's a uh, that's not a value system. It's like, what, what, how would you define that? No, let me give you a, a, a specific yeah, yeah. example. I'm glad you right. asked me that. I'm going to get to a very specific example. Good. So a few of my triggers are when my wife jumps in and takes over what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay, this is not a belief. This is a trigger. Got it. Okay, I'm going to get to the belief in a moment. So when my wife, if I'm doing the dishes and my wife comes over, hi, honey, how you doing? And then she just starts taking over, uh -huh. triggers me. When my wife corrects me, yeah. when my wife tells me how to do something that I already know what to do, mm -hmm. when my wife starts her sentences with the word no, <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's a habit sometimes. Yeah. Everyone has triggers. So those are my triggers. Now, Doug, here's the beliefs that drive those triggers. I believe my wife is controlling. She's trying okay. to control me. Right. Okay. This is an old belief. I've overcome this, but... I feel like when she jumps in or corrects me or mm -hmm. tells me what to do, that she is trying to be trying to control me. It is a negative belief that is false. A second belief I have is I believe my wife is a glass half full person. 
I believe that Autumn, she has negative thoughts that kind of permeate her mind. Yeah. But that is not true either. So here's why people get angry. When an event happens, your mind interprets the event based on the existing belief. Right. And it, and it either interprets it as bad or good. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when it interprets it as bad, that's danger. It yeah. activates the sympathetic nervous system, specifically the amygdala. So here's the deal. <clears throat> if you can replace your negative beliefs with the positive ones, your brain is going to assign a positive interpretation or meaning to the event. And it's going to drive thoughts that will produce positive emotions. And beliefs <clears throat> drive thoughts. And thoughts drive right. emotions. Right. And emotions drive actions. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know what you're, what you transpose here what beliefs did you switch out from controlling i'll show you i'll tell you right in the next right. uh in the next okay part. awesome we'll go we'll go through an, uh, an actual example that'd be great yeah i love examples let's be helpful okay so identify them go ahead and tell me how they how that so works step two so yep. step two is to now you have to reframe those negative beliefs in the positive beliefs and embed those positive beliefs in your mind now this is what therapists do Okay, if you're going to go to a marriage counselor or a marriage therapist, this is what they will spend all their time doing, which can, which can help, all right? They help you to reframe your negative beliefs about your spouse into positive beliefs. So now you have to reframe those negative beliefs, okay? So let's take one of my old negative beliefs about my wife. I, believe my, I believed my wife is trying to control me, okay? So you got to ask yourself is a couple of these questions. Is it really true? <clears throat> is she really trying to control me? Does she have this devious plan to take over control and dominate me? No, of course not. In fact, Doug, she's actually programmed to be a nurturer. Just like men are genetically programmed to be hunters Women are genetically programmed to be nurturers. So in prehistoric times, men hunted and killed for food. Women nurtured the children and helped to cook the food. Women are nurturers and helpers. It's in their genetic nature. So those two roles played together to provide the best survival mechanism for our species. So now let me bring it back. In reality, she's not trying to control me. She's actually just trying to help me when she corrects me, when she tries to jump in, these are things that trigger me because I have this negative belief that she's trying to control me. <clears throat> so I have to change that belief. I wanna replace that belief that my wife is, is not a control freak, but that she's actually a helper. So when she corrects me or tells me what to do or jumps in and takes over, again, that's her natural genetic nature being activated. And I've got a method called, <clears throat> I call it the domino method. I actually, I got it from the book from Gary Keller called The One Thing. Have you ever read that book? It's, 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 it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's the one thing. And, and basically what he says in that book is what is the one thing that if you mastered that one thing would make all the other problems irrelevant? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's apply that to marriage. So yeah. in marriage, I ask men, what is the one belief 
that if you embedded it into your subconscious mind and had instant recall of that belief during very stressful moments would keep you calm as a summer morning. So again, <clears throat> think about the Met dominoes, all right, and how they fall. When right. dominoes are lined up, the first one is pushed, hits the second one, and starts a cascade of events that knocks all the dominoes down. So with the domino method of changing beliefs, you want to embed one overriding positive belief that will overpower all your other negative beliefs about your wife. So since what is my dominant negative belief or was my dominant negative belief about my wife? <clears throat> it was a belief that she was trying to control me, that she had bad intentions. Okay. That was this. And now I have to come up with a belief that is so positive and it will override that other belief. So listen to this. What if I have this belief? <clears throat> Instead of thinking she's controlling and that, and that she's bad for it, and me interpreting that as bad, what if I have a belief that says, Ingrid, that's the name of my wife, has good intentions. She's just trying to help me. I choose not to be offended. Okay, now here's what you do. And this is what I have clients do. They don't want to do it, but once they do it, and they really do it, <clears throat> it works. You want to embed that into your subconscious mind. So we have to, to do that, you have to repeat it over and over again many times, just like a radio commercial or a TV commercial. You have to repeat it many times to embed it into your subconscious mind. So you take an index card, <clears throat> okay? Take an index card, and you write this phrase 10 times on the card. Ingrid has good intentions. She's just trying to help me. I choose not to be offended. And now you repeat that phrase 10 times on the way to work in the morning, 10 times after lunch in the afternoon, 10 times in the evening before bed, and you do that for 90 days. And if I think you, if you multiply that, that's around 2,700 times. I'm not really sure, but the brain is eventually yeah. automatically going to remember that phrase because yeah. you're repeating it so often that it embeds it. And so that's called mental reprogramming. And mm -hmm. when you do a mental reprogram of your brain, when the event happens, the brain is going to instantly recall the new belief, assign a positive interpretation of that event, and it's going to stop the sympathetic nervous system from being activated. Basically, mm. it's going to help you stay calm in otherwise very stressful moments. That is one way, okay? Mm -hmm. That's one way. But there's more. You mentioned, I think, there is breathing. more. There's yeah, uh, there I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple more. One that okay. that changed my marriage forever. All right. Um, the first one is nasal breathing. Have you ever like heard "take a deep breath"? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Nasal breathing. When you breathe, basically, it's just breathing through your nose. When you do a nasal breath, I don't know how it works, but chemically inside your body, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system wow. and calms you down. That's why like when you take blood pressure, before you take your blood pressure, you should mm -hmm. do deep breathing because it activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. Huh. So when you feel it, when you feel triggered, you yeah. start... Okay, that's not the one that changed my life. Okay. But that is one I still use till today. 
This is the one that changed my life. Mm -hmm. I, I was a yeller. I yelled at my wife. I yelled at my son. Yeah. And, um, that was just a heinous crime. When I look back on it, I'm like, I like, I'm repelled by that. Yelling at my beautiful, tender wife. I used to yell at my wife and I got so sick of it that I said, enough is enough. I've got to stop this, this habit of mine. So what I did is I concentrated. It took me two years. I put all my focus into what I call soft voicing, soft voicing. Mm -hmm. So your voice has five levels. Okay. Level one is a whisper like this. This is a whisper. That's level one. Level two is talking like this. Level two. Uh Level three is a regular voice. Level four is talking a little bit louder like that. Level five is yelling. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So when you soft voice, when you feel something being triggered, you go down to level two. You Mm. intentionally lower your voice. And then you talk like this. Okay, honey, let's talk about this. And you intentionally keep your voice low. What this does is it act. If you keep it at regular, it will slip up into level four. I promise yep. you. Yep. If you keep it in level two, it will activate the parasympathetic nervous system and it will calm you down. And guess what? It will calm her down too. Yep. I worked on this habit for two years. And Doug, it's a rare very, very, I, I don't yell at my wife anymore, really. I mean, yeah, I hate to say never, never, because that's a long time, but I don't, yeah, I can't remember when I've, you know, yelled at my wife. Outstanding. That is so, so cool. Those are two yeah. things. Uh huh. Those are two things. Do you want to know the third, or do we have time for I, that? I sure, we have time. Yeah, I want to hear it all. Yeah. Okay. So this is the third thing. It's called magic phrases. <clears throat> yep, Did you yep. know? that there are magic phrases that you can say in an argument that will immediately de-escalate the tension. When you use a few of these phrases, they'll instantly activate your wife's and yours parasympathetic nervous system, which will automatically make a chemical change in your body to calm down your brain. And guess Mm -hmm. what happens when you're calm? Your prefrontal cortex still works. And so you can talk logically and not emotionally. Wow. <clears throat> you know okay. why you know why uh, divorces happen? Because the sympathetic nervous system is constantly activated, the prefrontal cortex is shut, shut down, and there is no filter. <clears throat> a, a good example is a dog. Okay, I've got a little dog named Oreo. Uh-huh. And when I take the dog walking, and if there's another dog or a man or a woman walking on the other side of the street, there's no filter between the dog's sympathetic nervous system and his sure. mouth. Yeah. It's just, ah! and that's because instantaneously the small little prefrontal cortex that he has gets shut down. Okay. And that's what happens in us. But sure. these little phrases are like magic. And for the purposes of this podcast, I'm only going to give you three phrases. But I, I want you to memorize these phrases, <laughs> repeat them over and over so they become an automatic part of your vocabulary. Okay. This is the first phrase. And this phrase is so important that 
I heard one of the, the world's re, most renowned marriage counselors say that these are the three most important words in marriage. And what do you think they are? I, w I don't know. I'm sorry, or I hear you, or I understand how you feel. I don't know. Okay. A lot of people would say, I love you. No, no, that's not. Although that is important. Yeah. yeah. This is what it is. Okay. It's uh, it's tell me more. Tell me more. Ooh. Tell me more. When a man is talking to a woman. Yep. Good one. You say, tell me more. Okay. When your feelings get hurt and you have this overwhelming impulse to defend yeah. yourself, you just say, tell me more. Love and it. when you ask your wife to tell you more, guess what? It's going to be inviting her to do exactly what she wants to do. Yeah. Tell you more. And it's going to throw her off for a moment, but she <laughs> wants to tell you more because that is how women are programmed by their yeah. nature to cope with their stress. Sure. Women are programmed from birth to talk their stress out. Men yeah. are programmed to process their thoughts in mm -hmm. silence to cope with their stress. Yes. Women right. got to talk. So when you tell your wife, tell me more, you're inviting to do the very thing that she needs to do to cope with her ten tension oh, and stress. Magic. Okay. That is magic. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Tell that's the first yeah. magic phrase. Yeah. <clears throat> the second magic phrase is <laughs> you might be right. Okay, this phrase immediately de will de-escalate the tension. Yep. Because she's fully expecting you to retaliate. Right. Instead, you're doing the opposite. You're agreeing yep. with her. You're right. telling her that she might be right. You're not saying she is right. Yeah. You're just yeah, saying that she might be right. So you're not lying to yourself. Yes. So that's called validation. And when you validate her feelings, it helps her to feel as though her feelings are, are good, that they're true. Brilliant. And when she yeah. feels that, there's this underlying message that's sent to her that says, I care about your feelings and thus I care about you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what women ultimately want. All women want two things. The feeling that she has heard. Yeah. And the feeling that you that that you understand where she's coming from, she's coming yep. from. So a magic phrase to say when your wife is upset is to say, "Honey, you might be right," mm -hmm. and then do not say "but" after that. Okay, just say, "Hey, right. you might be right. You might be right." Stop there, yeah. <laughs> I can see I why you might people. have that opinion. Yeah. Okay. So here's the third phrase. Now, this one everybody knows, but very few can actually say it. It's only two words, and it seems to be the two hardest words to say in the English language. I'm sorry. You know, when you get vulnerable enough to communicate to your wife that you were wrong and that you're sorry, she's going to immediately let down her guard, and the yeah. tension is going to fly out the room. Mm -hmm. So saying I'm sorry sends this message to your wife that she's right. And you're not. And when she hears that, she has nothing else to argue. I mean, it sucks the negative energy right out yeah. of the argument. Yeah. Dale Carnegie 101. Right? Don't have an argument. And it's also telling her that you're willing to take ownership of your mistake. And mm -hmm. that's really what she wants. Listen to this. Women want to know that you know that you are wrong. Women <laughs> want to know that you know 
that you're wrong. And men, we want the same thing. That's not yeah. just women. Everybody wants this because it justifies their own opinion and beliefs. Okay, so those are three magic phrases that I gave you. The three magic phases are, tell me more. You might be right. I'm sorry. Love it. Very good. Is there a, um, a uh, cheat sheet, uh, something really easy you could give the listeners to, uh, you know, help them out, get started before your book okay, comes out? So of if I had somebody who was sitting in front of me who was, whose wife was still living with them and, and they said to me, you know, what can I do that's just really simple, easy, I can start today that's going to make a difference? Like what's, what's the magic wand that I can yeah. give to you? It's not all those magic phrases because that, that requires a behavior change mm -hmm. and behavior change are hard. Like if you're, if you're getting triggered and your and your feelings, your emotions are getting amped up and it's hard to say, tell me more. So that needs to be practiced over time. But I'm going to give you one thing that anybody can do. It's very simple to do that will make a huge difference. In fact, it's the easiest thing that will bring the biggest return on your relationship investment. But first, before I do that, I have to explain a principle to you. Is that okay, Doug? Of course, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I want to introduce this principle of the love bank or the emotional bank account. Okay, if you've ever read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits mm -hmm. of Highly Effective People, he talks about this emotional bank account. Sure. And a husband and a wife have each have bank accounts. Yeah. He has a bank account with her and she has a bank account with him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's basically three levels in that bank account. The lowest level is called what I call the tension zone. The mid level is what I call the satisfied zone. Mm -hmm. And the highest level is what I call the contentment zone or the honeymoon zone. Okay. Right. So when your relationship is in the tension zone, <laughs> no matter what you say or do, your behaviors are going to be interpreted as negative. Right. I mean, have you ever been in a situation with your wife where it's just, just high tension in your marriage? It's like, hey, I can't say anything. You're just going to get pissed off. Yep. Right? That's how you know when you're in the tension zone. So when your relationship is in the, in the contentment zone, however, um, you and your wife are going to overlook a lot of annoying behaviors just like you did when your marriage was in its original honeymoon phase. You know, sure. When you, I mean, listen, all marriages started with a honeymoon phase. All marriages started with the intention of going on forever. All mm -hmm. marriages started because two people loved each other, right? Right, right. So when they're in that phase, there's not like when you're dating, you overlook a lot of annoying things. Yep. And I tell, I'm telling my daughter right now is dating. I'm huh. like, if a, if a guy is doing anything that kind of even little annoys you right now, and you're just like, oh, that's cool. I really like the guy. Trust me, when you get in your marriage, that's going to annoy the heck out of you. And it's going to be a problem. Okay. Yep. So the first thing that I would have a man do now, I wanted to explain that because it sure. puts it in context, this thing. Mm -hmm. And you've heard it before, but it's to start um, a marriage gratitude journal. Okay. Gratitude is the antidote, is the antidote to mm -hmm. all negative emotions. Totally. 
So here's what you do. Once a day, you think about a thank you, a compliment, or an appreciation. A thank you, a compliment, or an appreciation that you can express to your wife. And you write that one thing down. I mean, you could <clears throat> write it in the, note, the notebook of your little smartphone, or you could send an yep. email to yourself, or yeah. you know, write it in a text, okay? Mm -hmm. But you have to write it down every day. Set an alarm on your phone for 10 o'clock when it goes off. Okay, I've got to write in my gratitude journal. Takes you about one minute, that's it. But the mm -hmm. second part is to communicate that thank you, compliment, or appreciation to your wife somehow. Yeah. So preferably you want to do it face-to-face, -face, but you can also write a note. Mm -hmm. You can leave that note on the steering wheel or on the mirror in a bathroom or on the refrigerator nice. door. You can send a quick video to her with your smartphone. Um, you can text uh, her. I mean, that's kind of a... It's better than nothing, right? I guess, My I wife and I right. were sending gratitude. I remember um, we had a long phase where we were texting gratitude message to each other. And I'm telling you, it had a big impact. So yeah. <clears throat> every time you do that, you are making a deposit in your wife's yeah, sure. bank. And it elevates your relationship closer and closer to the contentment zone little by little. <clears throat> okay. Or maybe your marriage is already in that contentment zone. Communicating mm -hmm. gratitude is going to keep it there. Right. So I have my clients do what's called a DMAPing system. And I won't get yeah. into it, but basically DMAP stands for Daily Marriage Action Plan. And it's a one-page action plan for that day. And at the mm -hmm. bottom of the action plan is just a couple little lines to write in one thing they're thankful for, some appreciation or some type of gratitude. Just write it right there. Yeah. And then figure out a way to communicate that with her. And then we actually track that. I have them track that and we actually put it on a chart. And the reason we do that is because we're taking this stuff seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You track okay. your finances. Why not track your love bank? I love it. Yeah. You know, Very a good. lot of people say, well, I worked on my marriage. And I'm like, well, did you ever track a behavior on a daily basis? No. Okay. I think a lot, I think a lot of people say we worked on our marriage means I endured so much crap, <laughs> right? But actually working on your marriage means something very different. Mm -hmm. It's me. It means creating very specific goals and right. doing them on a daily basis and tracking them and, and even being accountable to somebody mm -hmm. else. And I only yeah. say this last thing is that, Accountability is really, really important. It's very, it's very important. Um, you know, people that are obese, it's almost impossible for them to lose their weight and keep it off throughout the remainder of their life. Yeah. Alone. Like on their own. Yes, without any help. Point. Without right. any accountability. Because mm -hmm. your body wants to constantly come back to homeostasis. It's mm -hmm. constantly fighting back to go to that overweight state. Our behaviors are the same. Our emotions are the mm. same. It always wants to come back to that. And so if you don't have some type of accountability to help you to repeat that behavior, the, the whole idea is to create a habit. And in order to create a habit, you have to repeat a behavior long enough to where it reaches a level of automaticity and it becomes mm -hmm. automatic. 
but you yeah. got to repeat that behavior many, many, many times. Yeah. And usually people don't have the willpower to do it. So they say, well, I tried working on my marriage, but after, um, after about two weeks when my partner didn't respond, I said, screw you. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> that will not fix a marriage. No, no. Anyways. Amazing stuff. David, you are, uh, you know, I, I've known you for many decades as we, as we discussed earlier as a, uh, as a brilliant marketer and businessman, but this stuff is gold. You are, uh, you are going to help so many, so many marriages, so many families. I'm very, very impressed. It's going to be great. When is the book going to be out? You know, uh, if all the stars and moons align, I should get it up. Uh, average, I mean, yeah. sometime <laughs> within the next actually two weeks. Okay, it's so all, it's all written. It's just getting yeah. all formatted and prepared. Yeah, okay, it's fine. Like so it'll be out very, very soon, or maybe by, by the time somebody sees this, it'll already be out. Yeah. Is there a way they can? Will be on Amazon. Well, eventually, when they go to um, when they go to to the website, mm -hmm. which is highvaluehusbands.com eventually okay. it'll be there okay great so i'll put that in the show notes below folks so if it's not there yet it will be or if it's already there make sure you get a copy high value husbands or husband what is it plural plural there's more than one of them that's good okay <laughs> thank you so much for your time today it's, it's true pleasure and uh, very very impressed thank you very much thank you doug for this opportunity i hope it uh, helps somebody out there you are thank you Whoa, we'll go ahead and say goodbye. That was our show today. Um, thanks so much for joining us on the Off Your Brand Show. You're going to want to take notes and make sure you click below and check out highvaluehusbands.com. There's some good stuff there for you. Talk to you later.